0: Good morning from Stanford Christian Church. My name is Pastor Jeremy. We continue our Christmas sermon series, looking at the family tree of Jesus. Matthew chapter one records the ancestry of Jesus through his adopted father Joseph. Now, last week, we saw how Jesus's family tree shows the perfect timing of God in sending the Messiah into the world. Today, we learn some of the dirty secrets that may surprise us in Jesus's family tree. There are some things that seem out of place. Now, there are certainly kings that give Jesus clout, but we'll look more deeply into that next week. Today, we look at the blemishes, the lineage, and the family stories that many of us would look to sweep under the rug and distance ourselves from. Jesus has some family members that will embarrass you. Not only are these people listed in Jesus' family tree, but it's clear that the biblical author goes out of his way to make sure that you notice some of them. So why would God want us to take note of some of the more scandalous stories in the lives of those through whom Jesus was born? One of the amazing things about the scriptures is that God never hides the stains in the lives of his people. The sins and troubles of the leaders and the heroes of both the Israelites and the early church are put on full display. There's no hiding them or selective memory or shunning them or leaving them out. They're part of Jesus' story, his family, the church. Because Jesus' story, our story, is a story of redemption. He takes the stains and the blemishes and the sins and the evil deeds and the pains and the sufferings and he redeems them. His glory radiates from his scars. What others mean for evil, he uses for good. Brings blessings through curses and purifies through the fire. Today, I want you to feel the grace and mercy of Jesus. I want you to know that you belong in His family and that God desires that everyone come to Jesus and be saved and adopted into His family. Every part of Jesus' story, including His ancestors, agrees with the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Today, I'm not going to read his genealogy from Matthew chapter 1 again as we did last week, but you can open your Bible and follow along with me if you like. Instead, we're going to skip through his family tree and inspect some of the lives represented, like taking a deep look at some of the more interesting ornaments you might find on another family's Christmas tree. We're going to take a moment on some of their stories because there is certainly something God intends for us to see here. Now, the first thing the early readers would notice about the genealogy is that five women are listed. Now, that may not seem odd for us. However, in this culture, that's not the case. It was not normal to list grandmothers in someone's genealogy. We may often miss it because we, we look back and we see antiquated views of women, but know that the Scriptures in the early church, and especially Jesus himself, is constantly and radically pushing the status of women forward on a trajectory that leads to fully valuing and embracing women. They're listed in the genealogy. They're included in business. They're directly approached by Jesus They're given leadership positions. They are the first preachers of the gospel as they run back to the disciples to tell of the resurrection. We also see that three of them are Gentiles, meaning that they're not Jews. They're foreigners. And if you know Jewish law, you know that God told them not to marry foreigners. Even before he is born, Jesus' story breaks down the walls and divisions that people expect. All the people that should be excluded are celebrated. And on top of their gender and their race, their stories are not clean, nice little fairy tales like you might expect in the genealogy of the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Righteous One of God. We can begin right at the beginning of his genealogy, with the very first name, Abraham, and we find some dirty secrets He and his wife Sarah took a slave woman, and Abraham slept with her to conceive a son because up to this time Sarah had been barren. Now once Sarah does have a son, jealous fighting ensues until Abraham and Sarah force the slave woman and her child away to abandon them in the desert. That's not a good start to the family tree of the Messiah. Now the fourth limb of the family tree is Judah and his brothers, now, they sold one of their brothers, Joseph, into slavery because they were jealous of him. Now, I can't help but point out one person that's not listed here. Leah is the wife of Jacob and the mother of Judah. She's the unwanted wife. Now, Jacob desired a woman to be his wife, and her name was Rachel. So her father set up a plan. Jacob, you work for me for so many years, and then you can marry my daughter. So Jacob did. Jacob did. But Rachel's father gave him his other daughter, Leah. Because he was having trouble marrying Leah off, as the scriptures say, she was unattractive. So Jacob had to work for several more years to earn Rachel. Now, the scriptures are very clear that Rachel was the beloved and favored wife. But it is the unwanted wife, Leah, whom God makes the grandmother of the Messiah of Israel the next name we read is Tamar. Her story is in Genesis 38. Now she was a Canaanite woman, not a Jew. Judah arranged for her to marry his oldest son, Ur. However, the scriptures tell us that Ur was evil and so God took his life. Now their tradition would say that it's the responsibility of a brother of the deceased to take his wife and to bear a son to carry on his brother's name and to take care of the woman. However, he did evil as well, and so God took his life. Now, at this point, Judah is not fond of this woman, ignoring the fact that it was not her fault, but the evil deeds of his son that caused their demise. Later, after Judah's own wife dies, Tamar disguises herself as a prostitute, and Judah sleeps with her, providing her twins, Zerah and Perez. and So the line of Jesus continues through Perez. The 11th line in Jesus' lineage lists the name Rahab. Now she's a prostitute who hid the Israelite spies who had come to infiltrate her city of Jericho before the Israelites besieged and conquered it in taking the promised land. For her aid, she and her family are spared in the battle for the city and she marries an Israelite. Rahab is then listed in Hebrews 11 as 11 one of the great examples of faith besides people, beside people like Abraham. Now, the 14th name on the list is not a name, but a connection. It says the wife of Uriah. She's not named, but we know her name. She is Bathsheba. Even in the way her name is mentioned here, there's condemnation of King David. Because David had an affair with Bathsheba and then murdered her husband Uriah to cover it up. After his death, David takes her as his wife, and she gives birth to Solomon. And this is how the line of Jesus continues. At 29, we find Jeconiah, the king of Judah at the time. It was conquered and the people were taken away into captivity in Babylon. Because he did evil and did not follow the ways of God, God cursed him to not have a child sit on the throne of Israel. So there will not be another king until the Messiah is born to sit the throne of David. So why does God lead the biblical author to seemingly go out of his way to expose the scandals of Jesus' family tree? The purpose is to put the redemption and grace of God through Jesus on full display. The stories in Jesus' line is one of emphasizing redemption. Abraham, Leah, Judah, Tamar, Rahab, David, and Jeconiah are all sinful people. They did evil. However, God redeems them. For many of them, we can read about how God worked repentance in their lives and lead them in his ways. We see that God takes evil acts like Tamar and Judah's and through it, a baby is born in their deception and sexual sin that leads to Jesus. It's the unwanted wife Leah and all the manipulation and abuse of a person that her story reveals that her son will be the grandfather of Jesus. Out of their sins and their struggles, Jesus is born the hope of the world. Now listen to Paul in 1 Timothy 1.13 as he continues. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith, the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is... sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience as an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, the immortal, invisible, and only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. John 3, 16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God, verse 19. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than light because of their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come into the light, so their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. Today, God wants you to know that, Jesus, that in Jesus there is unlimited redemption. Christianity is redemption. Stanford Christian Church is all about redemption. Jesus takes what is broken and painful and messed up, and he redeems it and heals it and makes it good again. Our purpose here at Stanford Christian Church is to love God and love others and to share hope. And our hope is not vague. It's not a powerless, wishful thinking. We hope things can get better. No, our hope in Jesus Christ, who who was dead and in a grave, crucified on a Roman cross and took his life back and resurrected from the grave. His blood was shed for you and for Abraham and Judah and Tamar and Rahab. He redeems us. He brings us back to a right relationship with God and he uses us to do good in this world and he promises us a place in his forever kingdom. Today, I want you to know that Jesus offers redemption. He takes broken things that everyone else has given up on and tossed away and he makes them whole again. There's no one too far gone. No sin too dirty. Jesus wants you. We want you. He wants to heal and transform you to take your blemishes and make them the ornaments of his kingdom. Today, I challenge you to share hope. Share the hope that Christ Jesus came into the world to save even the worst of sinners. Share hope with your words. Speak hope. Instead of attacking people, condemning people, denigrating people, speak to them the hope of Jesus. Speak to everyone as one whom Jesus loves and wants to save. Don't attack them or downgrade them or gossip about their sins and their struggles. Instead, encourage. Push people to seek the redemption in the ways of Jesus. Share hope. Share hope with your actions as well. Do good to others. Show them that you really believe what you claim to believe. I think people know that Jesus loves them. The the problem is that when they look at churches and Christians they're not sure that we love them, that we really have Jesus. Confirm the hope you speak to be true in the way that you live. Go and love someone. This week. Do something good for someone that you do not gain anything for. Don't put it on Facebook or tell anybody about it. Just, just share hope by helping and visiting and giving to someone. Make their day a little better. Give them a reason to smile and believe that there really can be a better tomorrow. This Christmas, when you think about the birth of Jesus, remember that he is born out of a family full of sins and struggles, not by chance, but by design, to prove that there is hope, redemption for anyone in Jesus. Thank you for listening to Stanford Christian Church today. Once again, my name is Pastor Jeremy. Go to our website, www.stanfordchristianchurch.com to learn more about us. We hope to see you any Sunday morning, 10.50 a.m. Have a great week. Love God, love others, and tell somebody about Jesus.